0: The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Happy Father's Day, guys. It's our day. It's our day. That's happy, right? Thank you for being here. Um, I get fried chicken today. Homemade fried chicken today for Father's Day. Actually, they're not making it for me. They're making it for my daughter, Abby. It's her birthday Friday, and she wanted fried chicken to celebrate her birthday today. So we're going to tag it all together. But either way, I get fried chicken today homemade fried chicken, just to let you know that. So I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, I'm glad you're here. Um, welcome. If, like, uh, Mike said if you would mind filling out one of those guest cards we'd love to get some information to you about who we are um, and start a dialogue just a, a connection about helping you plug into a church I know that's a that's a tedious process and it can be a little overwhelming we want to help you with that if it's not the creek we want to help you with what church that is and so um, we want to be able to connect you in that relationship with other people um, I've got a a couple housekeeping things I want to do, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 6 and Ephesians chapter 4 today, so if you want to start working your way to those two places, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back tables for you. If you don't own a Bible, write your name in it. That's that's our gift to you. We want you to have that. Um, If you've got a smartphone or web-enabled device, uh, you can find us, find the scripture online. There's an app called YouVersion, Y-O-U-Version. It is free, and uh, you can... There, I want you to have access to the Word of God. We're answering a lot of why questions this month, and and why do we do that with Scripture? Every week I say that. Why do I do that? Because I want you to have access to the Word of God. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to study it. I want you to get in and let that wrestle with you, and so you you can do the work yourself. The thing I love about, about following God is He doesn't call us to check our brains at the door. He calls us to use our intellect. And so I'm, I'm encouraging you and challenging you to do that. So those are the two places we'll be in Scripture today. Um, while we get there, I want to I say thank you to my staff and my team. I, I have an incredible team of people. And, and the reason I can say that is because uh, they support uh, the church in so many ways. And this week, most of our team is on vacation, and uh, we are feeling that. Uh, But this last week, um, Pastor Kevin was holding down the fort by himself and had to plan and prepare for a funeral. I was out of town. Heather and I were with Abby for her new student conference at college. Uh, for the fall, and we've got staff members everywhere. Pastor Trinity and the youth leaders had the kids at camp. They had an amazing week, by the way. If you have not heard about the camp experience, you need to find one of our teens that went and just say, so just tell me. Um, One of our kids was up till midnight just downloading his parents. Man, just boom, boom, boom. Here's what I learned. Man, it's just incredible. I miss those days, and then this week, Trinity is on vacation, so um, I really miss that. It's like, Go to kid, take the youth to camp and then come home and then go on vacation. Um, so most of our staff, almost all of our staff is on vacation over last week and this week. But I, I'm so grateful for what they do. This week, Ke- uh, Kevin had to put together a funeral service. I told you last Sunday that one of, one of the creek lost our own. 18-year-old Megan Hayes uh, was killed in a motorcycle accident last Saturday. And um, we were able to do the service for her on Friday. One of the things that struck me was uh, how much this this young woman had been transformed by God. They read an excerpt from her diary. Her older sister read an excerpt from her diary. And she wrote about the day that she gave her life to Christ. She said, "I'm, I'm tired of trying to find myself. I finally found who I am in Christ. And I've given my life to Him. And His grace is so transforming. That was her diary excerpt. That was just a couple months ago. Um, she gave her life to, to Christ after one of the services at the creek, um, not knowing that soon she would meet her Savior. And I'm so proud of her. Um, such a woman, young woman of grace and had an incredible smile. And this room was, was filled uh, with, with people that we got to share her life with. And uh, it, was, it was an interesting day. I'm grateful for my staff. Kevin put, he, he worked all that, ran all that down, had everything set up. Uh, My wife in her silk dress wasn't playing the nice pastor's wife that day. She was outstanding in the field. You were outstanding in the field, honey. Um, She was outstanding in the field parking cars. So my wife's in this silk dress doing this. She was awesome. I love you. Man. Mm. Yes. It's Father's Day, but I'm honoring you, baby. I'm honoring you because you're cooking me chicken. so I'm, I'm grateful for our team I'm grateful for that and thank you for all who have been praying for the Hayes family continue to pray for them um, this is a difficult and tragic time um, and it's just been interesting how uh, God has made himself clear in this I, I, I had to stand here and with, with about 500 people looking at me to answer on behalf of God why and I can't do that I can't always answer the why but here's what I've learned through my time and my, my experience with God is I can tell you who that I can't tell you why this happened, but I can tell you who brings comfort. I can tell you who can bring meaning to all of this, and it ain't me. And so I, it was an incredible day. Uh, we're also, it was a heavy week, it just feels like. I mean, you, you followed the news, you heard the story about the shooting in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and I, I will tell you, we stand with them. That's our brothers and our sisters. And when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice, and, and we hurt with them. Um, but I, I was struck by something this week. The amount of grace that is being poured out from the victim's families. I mean, that's, that can only be God because I, I can tell you, I, I don't know that I'm mature enough in my faith to, to, to make some of the comments they made. I mean, that was just incredible. And I've been praying for them a lot this week because what, a, what a, an incredible, devastating situation. I want to I wanna explain something about why we do something at the creek. Uh, you've noticed that we have sheepdogs, that we have, we have men that, that are in uniform, that, that stand in our lobby, that are, that are armed, they are trained, and they are prepared to confront something like that. Sadly, in our society, we have to do that. But we have, we have people that are willing to stand in the gap to protect us, because here, here's one of my responsibilities, as, as the shepherd of the creek, your safety is a primary responsibility that I carry and I don't carry that lightly and these men that have gone through training they've been vetted they have over 100 hours of classroom training they have hours upon hours upon hours of training um, through the DPS certified programs so they're not just here I know this is Texas and we all got CHLs um, these aren't your CHL guys um, these are guys that are licensed through the Department of Public Safety and the Private Security Board. That are, we carry an insurance policy for that. We carry training. We have ongoing training and qualifications that go on with them. I have been through the training that they went through so I understand what they get. And I can tell you that they are selfless men that are willing to stand up and say, ain't nothing gonna happen to the sheep on my watch. And we do that to protect our kids. We do that to protect us. Ultimately, we're praying To God as our protector, and he is our ultimate protector. But he also gave us tools and abilities to, to put safeguards in place. That's why we do that. I've had a couple people ask me questions about that, but I wanted to publicly let everyone know. That's why we do that. And I pray to God that there's never a situation they have to engage. I pray that the most engagement they have to do is to help us keep straight on what side the sticker goes on as we walk down the hall. But they stand ready and they stand prepared. And so that's, I wanted to let you know why we do that as we're talking about why. This is a month of answering these why questions. Why do we, why do we even follow Jesus? What's the point? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Then why gather? Why come to a church? What's, what's the deal with all this? Last week we talked about why we give and, and hopefully we got to deal with some baggage over the last couple weeks because, you know, I heard it. We all have stories of, of, of churches that, that are just trying to, get money out of people. We all have those stories. That's a comforting thing we could say is me too. We've all dealt with that baggage. This week we're talking about why we serve. What's the point in it? I started thinking about, uh, think about church from a perspective. I mean, I grew up in church and I grew up in, a, in a, some weird churches. I grew up in some not so weird churches. So I, I'm just a mutt all the way around. But I started kind of thinking about why we do the things we do and what that must look like. I mean, I, I I was, I was standing here this morning, and I was like, okay, so why do, we, why, why do you have people at the door that welcome me? I mean, what, that's weird. I mean, because for some people, that's like, I don't want to talk to people. I mean, the extreme introvert, they're like, no, that's okay. Um, but why do we do that? Why do we come in a room? Why do we do the music this way? Why do we, why do, we do all this? And then I start thinking, why do people raise their hands? I was like, man, that's got to that, look weird. If you're on the outside looking in, that's a weird thing. Communion is a weird thing if you don't understand what it means. It's just wafer and a juice. I'm like, what's the, what's the point of that? But man, when, when God has revealed himself in your life and you have trusted him and you said, I'm, I'm, I'm yours, God. I'm a mess and I'm yours. I, my hands go up because I, I'm just not doing that in Surrender. That when I find myself just in the presence of God, I just, uh, it's just a response. Like, here I am, God. All the stuff I tried to carry, here it is. Communion. It's not just wafer and a juice to me. I mean, we sang about it, that we have a Savior who gave His life so that we could have life. I don't mean just breathing and walking around an ordinary life. I mean life that is truly life. And he gave his body and he, he sacrificed himself. He gave his life willingly. And so that wafer and the juice becomes a symbol for everything that has saved me. I started thinking about why we do these things and the meanings behind them. And And today's another one where we deal with a lot of church baggage is why we serve. Because we've all heard pastors, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard a pastor give this emotional plea about you need to be serving in the church. You got to be serving. We need you serving. God, you're just sitting and you're serving. I'm so sick of this analogy that church is like a football stadium where there's 22 players on the field in desperate need of rest and 80,000 people in the stand in desperate need of engagement. I don't know. Have you heard that one before? I've heard that one a lot of times. And it just, I'm just like, blah. I'm so sick of the compulsion and the guilt to try to get people to serve. Why do we do it, though? Why do we serve? Why do we have these things inside of the, the creek where, where we ask people to engage and we want to encourage you to engage? Let, let me help you. I mean, we, we, we have, we're trying to launch a parking ministry, not just Heather in her silk dress doing this. We're trying to launch a parking ministry. We have a greeter, and usher team We have a hospitality team that helps you get your coffee so that this doesn't become nap time. You're just wide awake and jonesing during the mess. You're like, I've had eight cups of coffee. Actually, we're doing an experiment for you coffee drinkers. For the last month, we've given you decaf, and we just started espresso today. (laughs) That's cruel, isn't it? That would be so funny. I shouldn't have said that, because we could have really tried that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We have a hospitality team. We have kids' check-in teams. We have children's ministry. We have a, a preschool ministry. We have an elementary ministry. We have a, a fifth and sixth grade ministry. We have a youth ministry. We have a prayer team ministry. Why do we have all of these things? Is it just to create busy work? And let me tell you my heart in all of those functions. It's to minimize barriers. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm I, I'm weird about parking. Like right now, the seventh Street in Montgomery District area, they're, they're grounded to me. I'm like, you're grounded. Until you get some more parking up in there, I'm not inhabiting your restaurants. I'm keeping my money in North Fort Worth. I'm just weird like that. Heather has to calm me down because I would drive around looking for a parking spot, and i just get frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. And I'm like, I'm not coming here ever again. She's like, come on. It's just a parking spot. Okay, I, I'm, I may be the only one who's weird about that, But I know how much our parking lot can be a barrier to you coming in with an open mind to hear what God has to say. That's why we had to put the gravel lot like a week after we moved in. We had to put the ramps in. We're trying to do everything we can from the parking lot forward to minimize barriers. So we want to have men and women who can help get you in and out of the parking lot easy. So you're not stressed out when you walk in the door going, man, it was hard to find a parking spot. The first couple of weeks, it was crazy parking. If you were here, I'm sorry, you remember that? I mean, it, it was nuts in here. I wouldn't have come back. I'd be like, they're grounded. When I saw the gravel, I'd be like, okay, I'll come back. Why do we have greeters to minimize barriers? Because I believe that for some people that walk in those doors, that's the first genuine handshake or hug or genuine welcome they've received all week? Why do we have children's ministries? I, mean, I know some churches do family worship where all the kids are together. Why do we do children's ministries? Why do we do this? I believe in minimizing the barriers for people to hear and respond to the gospel. And what that looks like in this room is different because I can talk to you on a level that I can speak to adults on. We want to teach our kids that, man, they're they're fearfully and wonderfully made, that God made them. God has a a purpose and a plan for life, and he loves them. And we want to minimize barriers for them. When we come in here, the whole goal is to minimize barriers for people to receive the gospel. And, And that's why we have these functions in the church. I'll never hire enough staff to cover all those functions. First of all, if we have that kind of budget, we better not be spending it on, that, on, on hiring that many people. But, but the main reason is this. That's not how the church is designed to function. The church is designed to function as a body. Well, let, let's look at Acts chapter 6. The church is designed to function as a body in how we engage in these, these, uh, these functions in the church. So Acts chapter 6. This is, I mean, this is after Jesus' crucifixion. He had been resurrected. He had had been taken back into heaven. He had been ascended into heaven. And this is after Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, where the disciples go out. They preach the gospel. And people are starting to receive the gospel. People are starting, lives are being changed. Life is happening. And and the church is, is growing. And the gathering is growing. And so we pick it up. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. What was happening is, as a part of the function of the body, they were feeding the widows. They were providing food and providing meals for them. Taking care of them because their husbands had died and they had no other means to be supported. So the church began to take that on as a Responsibility. Well, as the church began to grow, these ladies were like, yo, yeah, what's up? You're forgetting me. I'm hungry. And the disciples that they realized, okay, we got an issue. Because I can't I can't be in this area and give everything in this area and then do everything and be in this. I can't do it on my own. And so the 12 disciples summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Now here's the point. This to me negates any opportunity for a pastor to stand on a platform and guilt people into serving. Here's the motivation for serving. You're of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and of wisdom. I'm grateful for God because I think He fixed all those in my life. Otherwise, I'm unqualified to serve. I don't want you to serve because someone uh, guilts you. I don't want you to serve out of compul- compulsion. You serve out of inspiration, you serve out of a desire out of recognizing that it's not from your gifts and not from yourself that you do this. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So here's what you have happening, is you have the body acting as a body. The body is beginning to function properly, and in order for that to happen, every part must be engaged. I mean, if there's one part of your body that's not, that's not in balance with the rest of the body, you feel it. And that's how God has designed the church to function, as a part of the body, so that every part needs to be engaged, and every part does their responsibilities. This doesn't minimize serving tables. This doesn't elevate prayer and preaching of the word. I mean, it's, it's a, it, there's no greater gift. It's all of us engaging as the body so that the body is ministered to, so that we see what happens in this case, that... Lives are being changed. People are being saved. People's needs are being met. And that engagement is creating this momentum of faith. So, these men that are serving the tables, their ministry is growing the church. And I don't mean just like the church, like, hey, we, how do we get ourselves a, a bigger place? I mean the church. I mean the body. So as these men are serving the widows, the body is growing. The body's getting stronger. The body's getting bigger. As the disciples said, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and the word, the body's getting stronger. The body's getting bigger. And so you see this start to function beautifully. You think about it this way it's, we're all gifted to serve. I mean, 1 Peter 4.10 says, we each received a gift and we're to use that gift in service to the Lord. We use what God has gifted us with, his gifts, we give back to serve other people. And so we bring our gifts and we start to engage in how we're gifted. We were talking last night at dinner. My daughter, Abby, is left-handed. There's no left-handed people in my family. She's left-handed. It's weird. I mean, like, we've got, we can't sit on certain sides of her because so, she's eating and I'm eating and we're just like bumping elbows. Like, we, we were sitting in a classroom at, at Texas AM this week during her conference and all of the desks are made for right handed people. And I've been an indignant dad. I was like, what's up, yo? You need some left handed desks because my little girl is left handed. And the, the, the advisor's like, well, here's the beauty of it. She can take two desks and she used this one. I was like, aha, that's my girl. I'm not paying for two desks, though. <laughs> That one's on you. But we started talking about left-handed versus right-handed. And I don't know if you've ever tried writing with your left hand. It is awkward. Or if you've ever tried... Okay, this is where it really gets weird. If you ever tried writing with your feet, I'm not gifted to write left-handed, and I'm not gifted to write with my feet. Some of you are left-handed, and some of you can write left-handed. It's us bringing that gift together. It's that function so you have functions that God desires to connect with his body so that there's a greater purpose that's achieved so when we get when we get into this i'm going to tell you some of these reasons that we serve overlap some of the previous weeks cuz you think about it what, we talked about why do we why do we worship why do we gather And today, why do we serve? The first one is we serve to glorify God. And they overlap. Because when you think about it, as God gives gifts, and and our desire is to worship Him, our our wiring, we're created, and we're born with a desire to worship something. I mean, something's going to fill that spot that we put all of our affection, all of our focus, and all of our attention on. Something will fill that spot. And what happens is with with the gospel is when that transforms us, the gospel is the good news that Jesus, who is God, gave his life so that we could have life. He was resurrected from the grave and he overcame death. He overcame sin. He overcame hell. He overcame everything in the world. When he transforms our life, he sets a heart in us that desires to worship him. And as we worship him, it leads us to serve him. I, I love Heather with, with, with everything I've got on this earth. And everything I have is hers. And out of my love for her, I desire to serve her. I desire to see her taken care of. That's an act of worship that I can do to God. That I, I serve out as an act of worship, that when we gather, we serve, we worship, in order to glorify God. Because he says, in everything you do, whether you're talking, whether you're eating, whether you're drinking, or working, whatever your hand finds to do, in all things, do it for the glory of God. What does that mean? It means, God, I want you to be known through this. I'm not trying to elevate myself. I want to decrease so you increase. I want you to receive the praise for this. And the beautiful model of this is Jesus. In Matthew 20, he said, The Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served. I came to serve. And his greatest act of service to the world is the cross. And it stands as a reminder through all of eternity that that God is a God who first serves. And he left everything, all of his glory, all of his honor, and put it on a cross so that we could have life. And we follow that model. And I can tell you something. God takes our service personally and seriously. Now, let me read you this story. Matthew 25. We're going to put this one up on the screens for you. But Matthew 25, Jesus is speaking about the end of, the end of days. He says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from one, one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but their righteousness into eternal life. This doesn't mean that what we do saves us. Don't, don't get twisted on this, that because I, because I help people, then God owes me. We serve people because of what God has done to us. We're saved by grace and grace alone. That's it. It's the grace that God gives us, the grace that was poured out at the cross, the grace that poured out of the tomb when Jesus walked out of the tomb alive on the third day. That transforms our life, and that fuels us to serve. Because we're not serving people, we're serving God. Ephesians 6 tells us we don't serve man, we serve as unto the Lord. And he takes it personally. He says, when you do that, you're giving to me. When we go and we serve at Agape, we're not just serving people food. At Agape, there's homeless and under-resourced and underemployed, and they may not know where their next meal comes from. And we get the opportunity to sit down with them, a white linen table, beautiful setting, and have a, a meal where they, they can feel all the dignity as a special guest and we're not serving them we're serving the Lord because we know and we pray at the beginning of that dinner that Lord you be in this place we serve you and one day he's going to say hey when you did that you were serving me so our motivation isn't ourselves our motivation is to glorify God The second reason we serve is to edify the body. Edify means to build up. I told you to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let me read that to you. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, I'll start verse 11. And he and God, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's edifying, building up the body until we attain from whom the whole body, joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what he's talking about is, is when we serve, we're building each other up. That there are gifts, there are positions that God has created. And one of my positions as a pastor is this, to equip the saints for the ministry. That's verse 12. Who are the saints? those who are redeemed by God. You're a saint. If you're a child of God, you're a saint. I'm a saint. I think it's funny how we see the depictions of the disciples as like Saint Matthew. I mean, my name is Matthew, and I'm a saint only because of what Jesus did. And we see the disciples, and we kind of memorialize them with these halos and these Saint Matthew. Matthew was, was a tax collector. He was a thug. And he's a saint. I mean, Matthew was a a terrorist of his day. He was a tax collector. He was a Jewish tax collector, which meant that he was a traitor to his own people. And he would go and, and he would rob people of the money. He would cheat people out of the money. He was a thug. I think Matthew could have later been translated as Tony in Italian. I mean, like he's walking around like, yo, I'm here to collect my money. You pay up or I'm sending St. Vinny over. That's the best I got. Don't you make me call Peter. He's a fisherman. He'll hook you up. I don't know. But we kind of put these guys on pedestals as these perfect men. Man, they were screwed up men just like every one of us. What happened was Jesus got a hold of them, turned the world upside down with them. That's what made them a saint. The blood of Christ is what makes us a saint. You're a saint if you've been redeemed by God. And my responsibility inside the church is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to equip you to help build up the body, to go out and see the body grow in maturity. And and he makes this mention of doctrine. My responsibility is to teach you the truth and give you good food. I know my hands may be dirty sometimes, but I always wash them before I serve. I'm down there, I'm repenting. I'm like, God, look, I know I got a lot of mess, but I need you, just let me, let me serve today with clean hands and a clean heart. And so I can tell you this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you the truth. This is good food right here. And I use this to help equip you to do the work of the ministry. It builds the church up. And we do this. When we serve in the church, we're minimizing growth barriers. What do I mean by growth barriers? People growing up in the maturity of the faith. That's why we serve. That's why we edify the body. To edify means to encourage. It means to put courage in. So what I hope to do is to put courage into you through the word of God, through teaching the truth, so that when you leave these doors, when you leave the parking lot, and with a parking team it's going to be easier, but when you leave the parking lot, you're ready to serve the world. So that they see your good works and praise your father in heaven. That it doesn't illuminate you, it illuminates Jesus. Makes him very clear. And this is all motivated by love. And then the third reason, we serve to multiply disciples. I think I missed a fill-in right there. One of the, the, for those of you type A personalities, edifying that grows us in maturity so that we can live the way, the truth, and the life. I was supposed to say that before doctrine. Hey, I'm not perfect. The third reason, we serve to multiply disciples. When we lock in with this, we understand that the whole mission of the church, and not just the Creek church, but the church, the body, every Christian across the world, our mission is to see lives changed by the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus, who is God, left his throne in heaven, lived a perfect life. Gave his life on the cross and was resurrected on the third day. And the good news is that because of that, that when we submit to that, everything changes. Everything changes. And the gospel moves us to work. And the main thing we're working for is the harvest. I mean, Jesus was telling his disciples, he said, at one point in Matthew 25, he says, look... The the fields are white with harvest. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send workers into the harvest field. I don't think that's the right scripture. Oh, yes, it is. Boom. I was Matthew 25. Um, He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send workers into the harvest field. You see, when we serve God, he says, I'm going to put you to work. Because the kingdom of God isn't about consuming it's about producing. And God says, I, I want my body to be a producer, not a consumer. And it begins to put us to work. And there's, there's two goals that our serving accomplishes. It's to grow disciples. It's, it's inside the church, the growing disciples is the maturity level that we grow stronger. I mean, when I first started following God, I couldn't tell you why I followed him. I couldn't tell you why I served him. I couldn't tell you why all these things. Like people say, why do you serve God? I don't know, but I just, man, I'm just, I'm in love with God. Why are you in love with God? Because I was dead and now I'm alive. I know what I was like. And I know what he's done in my life. And I can't explain to you why. I mean, in the funeral Friday, I've got people looking at me going, tell me why, pastor. Speak on behalf of God. Why did this happen? I can't. I can just tell you who. Early on, before the maturity started coming into my faith, I couldn't tell you why I did some of the things. I could just tell you who I did them for. I'm like, I'm I'm so transformed by Jesus that it just moves me to work. And as my maturity grows, I start to understand more of the why. But I think some of us get so focused on the why that we miss the Who? So we grow maturity. And then we also, to multiply disciples, the body growing itself up, building itself up in love with Jesus as the head. In Acts chapter 6, you've got people being fed. The widows being fed ministered to the whole community because people were engaged in serving God. They were multiplying disciples. What happens is people are operating in their strengths. People are operating in areas where God has passioned them and lives are being changed. I can tell you my life is constantly being changed by by how God is, is growing me and teaching me as we take this journey called the creek. So why do I serve? I can give you all the reasons that we just went to, but why do I serve? I love God. I love him with everything I got. All my heart, my soul, my mind, everything. All my strength. And serving Him is a way to say, I love you, and I've got nothing without you, and I don't want to do anything but serve you. I serve inside the church to equip you to change the world. I serve outside of this church Because I'm an equipped saint. Because God's given me abilities and passions to go and be a part of changing the world. So I want to ask you, why do you serve? Is it because at some point somebody's guilted you? If that's the case, man, take a break. Call a timeout. Get on the bench and, and get some health and some rest before you burn out. Why do you serve? Joshua was faced with a question and a situation in Joshua chapter 24. And this is what he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can tell you as the lead pastor for the Creek Church in Fort Worth, Texas, that me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not under guilt and not under compulsion, but because we have been so moved and we are so loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that He not only has my heart, He has my hands. And He has my feet. And He has every part of me to do what He wants to do in me and through me. And our commitment that we make is that we're going to serve alongside of you. I told you I'll never hire enough staff to do that. If we've got that kind of budget, we better be making a much bigger impact in our community than hiring a bunch of people. We're going to serve alongside of you inside of this church and outside of this church. And inside of this church, not only me, but every one of the staff members that we can hire make it their goal to do everything in their power to help equip you so that you can equip others so that we can all change the world. That's why we serve. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that you are the model of service to us. You are the one that we follow. And we don't do this to build ourselves up. We don't do this to, to do anything but build you up. And we thank you that as we engage in serving you, that the body gets built up. Lord, as we serve you, as we say, here I am, God. Here's my mess. Here's what I am. Here's who I am. I want you to take it and do something for you you take us and and Father, it is incredible how we see needs met. Not just in Fort Worth, but God, you're preparing a team right now to go meet needs in Nicaragua. God, you've got people all over the world that as the body gathers and we build each other up, that needs all over the world are being met. And I thank you for that. I thank you for people who are are willing to say, God, I'm not going to serve you because of guilt or compulsion, but I'm going to serve you because you've inspired me. Father, I pray that you begin to heal some of the baggage that we carry. God, some of the wounds and scars that people sitting in this room and, and so many people that won't even go to a church today that have wounds because they've been told they need to do something that absolutely burn them out and hurt them. I pray that you begin to heal those wounds. God, I pray that we begin to take that baggage that man has piled in in the name of church and unpack that so that we can do life. We serve one another. We love one another in the name of Jesus. We love you. We thank you. We proud this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need some help, before Mike closes us out, if you need some help getting plugged in, then Heather's going to be available right down here, and she will help you. If you have questions about areas to engage, if you just have questions about serving, if you need some help and direction with that, she's here to help you with that. So I invite you to talk to her with that. I love you guys. Happy Father's Day. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.